Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Let's go to Ephesians. This will be part three in a series that we have started. And like I believe I said last time, faith is the most important subject in the Bible. Now, there's a lot of subjects in the Bible, a lot of different doctrines, a lot of different teachings, but faith is the most important of them all. And we see here in Ephesians, where the Bible says in chapter 6, Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemings of the devil. What happens if you don't put on the full armor of God? Will you be able to stand against the schemings of the devil? See, he says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemings of the devil. Of the devil. How many of you know he's a schemer? He's a schemer. But praise God, we can stand against him. By putting on, by doing something. By putting on the full armor of God. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, in the unseen realm. Now, flesh and blood, we can see. But these principalities and powers, these rulers of the darkness, these spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, we cannot see them. To address them, to deal with them, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We don't want to just look at the flesh, look at people, and look at things according to the flesh and judge things according to the flesh. We want to make sure we're looking behind the scenes, behind the scene realm. If he goes on, verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And people know Truth is, a, is an important subject. Righteousness is an important subject. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Another important subject. Few things there. Above all. Everybody say above all. Above all. Above all taking the shield of faith. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the helmet's important, the sword's important. You know, all these things are important, but above all, the most important. You know, above all means the most important thing of all these things. The most important thing is... That shield of faith. That shield of faith. So you see, there's a scripture right there that bears witness with what I said. 
that faith is the most important subject to learn about in the Word of God. Why is that? Well, the first part one of this series, I gave you seven things. Seven reasons why faith is the most important subject. Number one, faith is our life. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Live by faith. We live by faith. It is our life. And then, of course, number two, we are justified by faith. In other words, we are made righteous through our faith. Number three, every step we take is to be a step of faith because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk. Every step we take in life is to be a step of faith. Every word we speak is to be a word of faith. Jesus said, you'll be judged for every idle word. Men will be judged for every idle word that they speak. What's an idle word? A faithless word. A faithless word. And that goes along with Romans 14, verse 23. It says, for whatever is not from faith is sin. And then, of course, number seven, there is no victory over the world. There's no victory in life without faith. For faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So how many people think faith's pretty important? It, it meant it's our life. It's our life. You know, it's sad to see people despising the subject of faith. Christians despising the subject of faith. I don't want to come anywhere close to despising the most important subject in the Bible. I don't want to come anywhere close to despising the thing that I need to take up above all, that I need to take a hold of more than anything else. I don't want to be anywhere near despising that. That is a very, very dangerous place for a child of God to be. We need to highly esteem faith. Why? I missed this one. This would make seven. Because you can't please God without it. You can't please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. If he's displeased, we're displeased. So we are very pleased when it comes to faith. We get excited about the subject of faith. We certainly do not despise it. When we hear the word faith, we go, huh, well. You know, we just kind of lunge forward in our chairs. Faith, faith. Man, that's my food. That's my life. The word of God itself is called, in in Romans chapter 10, the word of faith. It's the word of faith that we preach. So there's no room for despising it, treating it lightly, like it's just not that important. Well, you talked, I mean, when we first started the church, I had someone say, you know, you talk too much about faith. You talk too much. They didn't know what they were talking about. And that's why they had so many problems in life, too. They had no respect for the subject of faith. I said, well, it's not the only subject I talk, talk about. Of course, today you can go online and go to our media page, and you can look, go back several years and see all the different subjects that I've covered over the years. But that's not an apology for preaching about faith a whole lot. 
Praise God because it's the most important subject in the Word of God. It's the most important thing to us in life because we're all about pleasing God. We're all about pleasing Him. Can you say amen? And then in part two last week, we looked at Mark, the 11th chapter. Why don't we go there again tonight? Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Literally, that can be translated, have the God kind of faith or the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith or the faith of God. See, that's the kind of faith you and I have. Now, this is an important thing to know, that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, then you have the God kind of faith. You have the faith of God. You have it already. So we should never be trying to get faith. Man, I just need more faith. You don't need more faith. Jesus said all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. That's all you need. And you'd be able to uproot trees. You'd be able to to cast mountains into the sea. And friend, you've got that mustard seed faith. You have the faith of God. But like a seed, a seed you plant in the ground. And it grows. It develops. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you want a mustard tree, then you need a mustard seed. And every, every branch, everything that that tree produces is all in that seed. It's all in that seed. It just needs to be planted in the ground and put to work. When you got saved, you got the faith of God. It's in you. It's been planted on the inside of you. Now it just needs to germinate. It needs to be watered. It needs to be fertilized. It needs to be fed. It needs to be worked. It needs to be developed. And as it develops, it will grow and grow and grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ himself. Grow up to be just like Jesus. You have that seed of faith on the inside of you. You have the God kind of faith. You have all the faith you need in life. Now look at that. Hold your place and look over in Romans chapter 12. Romans the 12th chapter. He says, "For I," verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, he didn't say don't think good about yourself. He just said don't think more highly than you ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of, of faith. So who's he talking to? Well, he said he's talking to everyone who is among you. And he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. He's saying to us, he's saying God has dealt to each one, each one of you, a measure of faith. The God kind of faith has already been measured to you. You already got it. It's already in you. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And since we, writing to the church again at Corinth, if it's good for the church at Corinth, it's good for you and I, and we having 
Everybody say having. The same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith is who? All the apostles. You know, sometimes church people will magnify the apostles as, as people that did things that we could never do. But that's just not true. Because we having the same spirit of faith. See, everything they did, they did by faith. Not only they, but let's go a little further. Everything Jesus did, Jesus did by faith. He did it by relying, trusting in the Father. Relying on and trusting in his heavenly Father. Following the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. Everything he did, he did by faith. We having the same spirit of faith as Jesus. Well, it's the faith of God. We have the same spirit of faith as Jesus has. Notice it's past tense or present tense rather. Having. We have it. We have it. So why don't you say it? Say, I have faith. Mountain moving faith. The God kind of faith. World overcoming faith. Devil dark quenching faith. I have it. I'm not trying to get it. I already got it. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. There was, it was Paul that said that. Second Corinthians 4.13. I was jumping ahead in my thought life. To 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have, there's that have again, have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice, who have. He's writing to those who have obtained. Obtained like precious faith with us. See, we're right there in the same class as the apostles. We're in their class. We can do what they did because we have the same faith. We've obtained it. That word obtained means to take. We've taken it. We've gotten it. See, the Lord has given it and we have taken it. We have taken that faith. Now, how many of you know it takes faith to take the faith? So where did we get the faith to take the faith? How many people could tell me Where you got the faith to take the faith to begin with. From Romans chapter 10, verse 17. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you heard the word concerning Jesus and what he did for you, how he died for your sins was buried, then rose from the dead victorious, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And you believed in him as your Lord, as your champion. And you confessed him as such over your life. You were saved. You were given the same spirit of Jesus, the same spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit was given to you. And when he comes, he comes with all his faith. You were given the spirit of faith to live on the inside of you. Now you have the faith of God. God's faith is in you now. So now we come to Romans 
10.17, and it says, for faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Does that apply to us anymore? Because after all, you heard the word, you believed, and you have received the faith of God. And therefore, we're not trying to get in the word to get faith anymore because we've already received faith from the word. What kind of faith? The God-sized faith, the God kind of faith. So does Romans 10.17 apply to us? As believers. Why? Because now, as believers, faith comes not to us, but faith comes out of us. Faith comes out of us as we hear the word of God. In other words, the word of God is faith food. It feeds your faith, develops your faith, stirs up your faith, activates your faith, and causes your faith to come forth through your words and through your actions in life. So we're hearing the word, and now faith is coming out. In fact, where it says faith comes by hearing, that word used there, comes by hearing, is also used in places where Jesus said to the devil, come out of him. You know, to somebody that was demon-possessed. Jesus said, come out of him. It was used, that word there was used in that way. Come out of him. So we could say, faith comes out of you by hearing and hearing the word of God. Instead of devils coming out, the faith of God comes out of us. That's what needs to be coming out of our life. So that's a whole different perspective now. Now we're getting in the word really to find out what's, what's in us, what already belongs to us, who we are. Remember the word is like it to a mirror? We're getting in there. We're seeing who we are, what we're like. And as we see it, then we're able to act on what we see and thus be it in this world, in the physical realm, in this natural world. Now we're able to manifest this faith that's on the inside of us. So the word gives us what we need to manifest the faith of God. So now we see ourselves in a totally different perspective. I mean, we've got the goods. We're loaded. We've got all the faith we need. Now, all we got to do is get a hold of what we got. That's why the Bible says in one place, it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But then in another place in the word of God, it says that you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So you are complete in Christ Jesus. You're complete in him. But then you come to another passage in the Bible and it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And, and you look and say, well, see, that, that's a contradiction. In one, sec, in one second, one, se- one word here, he's saying, you're complete. But then I'm over here and it's saying, he will complete you. He will complete what he began in you. And I remember I asked the Lord about that one day, and I got a revelation. That we are complete because we already have the faith of God on the inside of us. We're already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't get any more righteous. His righteousness is already in us. 
We're already the righteousness of God. The love of God has been, has been. Somebody say, I'm a has-been. Has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love, the love of God is in us. The faith of God is in us. The righteousness of God. My God, we're complete. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I mean, that sounds pretty complete. So I believe the scripture that says we're complete. Well, what about the scripture that says, he who began a good work is faithful to complete it? Well, you see, he's completing the process. See, we get in the word of God and we, and we seek him so that he can complete the process of making known to us how complete we are. See, we're not, we're not, we're not fully walking in the revelation of who we are, how complete we are. What we already have. I mean, think about it. If, if we knew, if we, if, we, if we had a grip on it, we could do the exact same works Jesus did. We could do the exact same works Jesus did. All things are possible for us right now. Think about that. Now, see, I, I don't want to go to heaven and then you, know, you, you find out about all that when you get there. Now, you see, this is who you were and this is what you were full of and this is what you had and this is what you were able to do. And you didn't need another thing. You had, you had it all right there. You were equipped. And this is what you did. And you just want to hide your head under something. You know, you just want to take off and hide. I don't want to be that way. I want the Lord to say, come here. Now. I put all this in you. This is what I get. I gave you. I filled you with this. This is what you had available to you. And you did all this. Now, there was still a whole lot more. But you did all this. Well done. And we're not ashamed on that day. Because he talks about living our lives in such a way where we're not ashamed on that day. Which means there's probably a lot of people that are, they get to heaven. They make it to heaven, believers. But they're ashamed. Because of how pitifully they lived their lives. I don't want to get to heaven and find out how pitifully I lived my life. I want to hear well done, don't you? How are we going to hear well done? How are we going to please the master that he looks at us and says, well done? By faith. By living by faith. By laying hold of who we are in Christ Jesus. Getting a hold of who we are and what we already have. How do we do that? Seeking, studying the Word of God. Getting in the Word of God. Showing up at Life of Faith Bible Church. And hearing teaching on faith. Woo! That's how we get there. Praise God forever. So you understand how faith comes. Comes one way to the unbeliever. It comes to them. But for the believer who's been saved, it comes out of them. It comes out of them. And that's just a very important perspective to have so that we don't see ourselves anymore as these people begging. Begging and needy, needy, needy. We're so needy and beggy. And we don't see that anymore about ourselves. We understand we have everything we need. Now, we just need to get a hold of what has gotten a hold of us. We need to just get a hold of who we are here. We don't have to say, God, God, I need, I need, I need. He's going to look at you and say, 
I've given it, I've given it, I've given it. You've got more than enough, right? That's what he said to the Apostle Paul. Lord, take it away, take it away. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And what is grace? What is grace? It's all that God has. It's all that God is freely bestowed upon our life through Jesus Christ. All that God is, all that God has freely given to us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and God. All that he is, all that, that's grace. So when God said to him, my grace is sufficient. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, all that I am and all that I has, it's, I think it's enough, Paul. I think you've got what it takes to deal with the thorn, to deal with the demon. You got my name, you got my authority, you've got my power, you've got my everything. Tell the thing, be removed. Stop crying out to me and command it to go. See? Command it to go. And it will have to obey you. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm full. And I'm loaded with everything I need in life. Get that perspective. That's a big part of walking, living by faith. Living by faith. It's living as more than a conqueror. It's living in the victory. It's living in the place of having all sufficiency in all things. And we are abounding. Hallelujah. So if we're lacking, we just, if, we, if it looks like we're lacking, then we need to just go and study the word more. Find out what we are. Stir ourselves up. Stir up our believing. Stir up our faith. So we can walk in it. Act like it's true. Act like we got everything we need in life. And then going back to Mark 11, that goes right along with what Jesus said. When he said in verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask... When you pray. Whatever things you ask. Another translation says, whatever things you desire. I mean, that's wide open. Whatever things you desire. Whatever things you ask. God is saying, it's yours. You can have it. Whatever things you desire when you pray. Whatever things you ask when you pray. Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, this isn't the only place where the Lord says whatever. There's several other places where the Lord says whatever. Like, for example, I know a few of them. Let's go to Matthew 18, verse 18. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind. Whatever you loose. God's big on the whatevers. Over in John's gospel, chapter 16, he says in verse 23, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, huh? Whatever. You ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. 
ask that you will receive that your joy may be full. So, hey, if it makes you full of joy, if it gets you happy, and it's a whatever thing, ask that you may receive. God says yes. He already says yes to us. We're not trying to get him to give us things. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It already belongs to you. All you're doing when you're asking is asking him to pass it over to you. That's all you're doing. When you're asking, you're asking him to pass it to you. Over in John 14. You know, like at the dinner table. Remember, we talked about passing the potatoes, right? I mean, you're at the, you've been invited, you're a guest, you're at the table. And they put potatoes on the table. They're not going to say, now, the, the green beans are for you. And this is for you, that, but the potatoes are not for you. Everybody else can have potatoes except you. No, that's, that's, not, that's not true. That's not God. Notice what he said here in John, the 14th chapter. Verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. How can we do that? How can we do that? Well, because we believe in him. And if you believe in him, then you have faith. You have faith in him, which means you have his faith in you. If you believe in him then his believing is in you. His faith is in you. And so the works that I do, you'll do also. Verse 13, and whatever, there it is again. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, we need to get a hold of this because the Lord is emphasizing it over and over and over. Whatever, whatever, anything, just ask. It is yours. I give it to you. If it's a whatever, if it's anything, you can have it. I mean, isn't that awesome? That we don't have to question. It says, yeah, but what happens if you're asking for something that's a bad thing? Are you a believer? Yeah. Are you the righteousness of God? Yeah. Has the love of God been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You don't ask for bad things. Whatever you ask is going to be a good thing. It's going to be okay. Hallelujah. And we don't need to start calling things evil that aren't evil. Like a lot of folks walk around and say, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. You know, Jesus himself said, the money is the root to all evil. It's dirty, filthy lucre. It's just, I don't want any of that dirty, filthy lucre. That's not what Jesus said. He did not say that. He said, the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. It's idolatry. 
It's loving these things. Well, that's not loving the Lord. That's not following the Lord. That's not believing him. So believing that God gives you whatever things, regardless of the price tag, regardless of the cost, it, 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 it's yours as long as you don't love it above the Lord. Our love is for him. We're seeking him. We're following him. Somebody say, I want the Lord. Yeah, we want him more than anything else, and so therefore, anything else you want, you can have. Did you get that? When you want him more than anything else, then anything you want, you can have. Praise God. So you know it. Well, I love the Lord more than anything else. Well, then anything you want belongs to you. Now, there are other scriptures that go on about whatever, 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 anything, anything, anything. But I think you got the point, I hope. That anything and whatever means whatever and anything. Well, I don't know if God wants me to have it. Well, do you want to have it? Yeah, I'd like to have it. Does it bring you joy? Yes, it makes it made me very happy. He said, ask that your joy, your joy, that your joy might be full. That's what he said. And, you know, we just don't realize when we say he's a good, good father, we really don't know what we're talking about. We just don't know how good he is. And that's why people struggle with this stuff, because they just don't believe how good he is. It's not that they don't have the faith on the inside of them. It's just dormant, dead, and undeveloped. They haven't allowed it to come forth because they haven't allowed themselves to embrace the word of God that they've heard. There's a lot of people that would shut this kind of message down right now. You start talking about anything with, with, with things, 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 and the hyper-spiritual person who's a carnal person and thinks he's hyper-spiritual, but he's actually a carnal person. See, he hardens his heart and he shuts that down. Thus, he suppresses the faith of God that's on the inside of him concerning God and how good he is and his will concerning their life. You know, we've got to watch about having religious preconceived ideas when we come to the word of God. So many people have religious preconceived ideas about what it means to come to the word of God, what it means to come to church. There's a lot of people that won't come to church. You, you, can go on, you can tell them how great your church is, how wonderful it is. I mean, miracle signs and wonders are happening. They still won't come to church. Why? Because they've got such preconceived religious ideas of what coming to church is all about. And they just can't get past it. It's, it's blinded their eyes. It's barricading them from being able to see what God wants to show them. So we have to watch about sacred cows, preconceived religious ideas, man's traditions. A lot of people are full of these things here in America. And they cannot see God for who he really is and what he really wants for their life. He wants you to have, and I'm going to say it again, I'm sorry, whatever. 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 And then he says this. I'm going to say it again. He says, ask that your joy might be full. Another, it almost sounds, to me it sounds like he's begging. He's like, now I know you want it. Why haven't you asked? What are you waiting for? 
ask. Well, Lord, ask. Ask. Well, I'm just not sure if I'm asking too much. Ask. Well, I just don't want to be materialistic. I just don't want to be carnal. I don't want to be thinking of matches. Ask. Please ask that your joy might be full. You can have anything you want. Can you imagine that? You can have anything you want. Glory be to God. Somebody say, I can have anything. Whatever things. I desire. That's what he said, Mark 11. Anything I desire or ask when I pray. And actually, the word ask can also be translated demand. Now, this, this sacred cow can actually kill somebody when, they, when this thing sits on them right here. Don't let the cow sit on you. Kick it over. Kick it over. But that's a, that's a big sacred cow there that people can't get past. And what is it? Whatever you ask, that word ask can also be translated demand. See, he's saying demand it as your covenant right. See, when we ask, even our asking, we're coming as this is ours. Pass it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. You don't even have to say please. Please is really not a Bible word. Some translations add please. But it's, Jesus never said please. Because we're not pleading. We're not pleading for things. We're asking, and it's really a commanding. It's a demanding because it belongs to us. And when you come in faith, knowing this is yours, then you don't ask wishing, wondering if it's going to be given to you. You come like a soldier, command, a general in an army, commanding, commanding it to come to you, demanding it to come to you. Because a command is confident. It's confidence. And we're supposed to come with full confidence. Now, to help you with the sacred cow, we're going to confirm this over here in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. This is the Lord speaking. He said in verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will remember your sins, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. Now, what does that mean? Put me in remembrance. In other words, remind me of what I have said to you. Remind me of what I have promised you. Remind me of my word. He says, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. So he's talking about coming to God and speaking to him in a way where you are reminding him of what he said. said, now you said this. You promised me this. And so... You need to make good on that. Say, that belongs to me because you said so. I don't say it quite like that to the Lord, you know. It's a loving relationship, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying it that way to just get the point across. But here he's likening it to coming to court. You got your rights. 
You have rights. And you're coming before the judge. And you don't just come in and go, Judge, I really want to, and I really don't, I don't think they should have done that, and, and I just feel, and I think, and I just feel and think that, you know, I really would like to, and it would be great if you could give that to me, and you don't do that. In fact, you keep your mouth closed, and you get yourself an attorney that knows the book, that knows the law, and you don't talk to the judge in a feely, feely, touchy tone. It's not like, oh, I just feel like and I just want, and you know how I feel about this, and I just wish, and I just don't know why, and then can you please just do this, that, and that, you know, judge, you're, I hear you're a great judge, and I'd really like you to do this if it's okay. You know, I mean, they had no right really being on my, my property, I don't think, but, you know, could you help me because they came on my property and they stole that stuff from me, and it would be great if, if, if you could just talk to them and get that back to me. I know you have the power to tell them to give that back to me, but, you know, I don't know if you will do it or not. I'd like you to do it. I hear you're a nice guy, and, you know, would you please help me out with this, judge? How many people, that doesn't happen in a courtroom? No, 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 no. You come in there, because the judge doesn't respond to that. He doesn't even respond to that. you got to come in there with someone that knows the law and comes in there and lays it out there. Even if the judge knows what's right and wrong, you still have to know how to plead your case. You still need to know how to talk his talk. God's saying the same exact thing. He's saying, you need to come and put me in remembrance of my word. You need to come in there. You need to state your case that you may be acquitted, that you may be justified. That you may be proven right with this thing. So we're coming with the word of God. We're not just coming in there with our feelings and our emotions. You're coming in there with authority. With authority. You got your rights. This belongs to me. This is mine. Your honor. You go in there, your honor. You're very respectful. You're very nice. You don't have to be mean about it. But you know it's yours. And you have that authority and that confidence about you. And that's the way you and I are to pray to God. Do you understand that? Then he says over in Isaiah 45, in verse 11, Thus says the Lord, the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his Maker, Ask me, remember we were talking about asking. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. You command Me. I mean, that doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? You command. So first he says, ask me. Then he says, command me. See, he's letting us know how we're supposed to be asking. It's a command. You know, the old saying from the genie in the bottle, your wish is my command. Your desire is. Whatever it is, is my command. Just ask. You know, think about it. If you had a genie, you know, you took the genie out of the bottle. There's genie. And genie is standing there in front of you. You know, this is your genie. And the genie says, whatever you ask, it's my, com- it's my command. Whatever you desire, it's my command. You say, praise God. You'd start asking. You would start asking. Say, so... God's telling you. It's the same thing. Whatever you desire, ask, and I'll give it to you. 
I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. But ask with authority. Ask knowing, knowing. This is what you, this is what you said. See, we're coming with the word of God. We're laying it out in front of him and we're stating our case and demanding that these things come to pass in our life. He likes that. That does not offend God. You know what offend God? God, I wish you would. I wish you would. I hope you do. And I don't know, but I would like you to. And it would be great if you could. That's offensive. It's actually kind of annoying. It's a whiny thing. God doesn't want us to be a bunch of whiny babies. He wants us to come with full authority. He likes that. He likes that. See, remember the centurion? The centurion that Jesus said he had never seen faith like that in all of Israel? He said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. But the centurion said, he said, Lord, don't trouble yourself. You don't have to come into my house and lay your hands on my servant to heal him. Only say the word. And my servant will be healed because, you see, I'm a man of authority. I understand authority. I'm a man of authority. And I say to a soldier, go and do this. And to another one, go and do that. And they do what I say. And I fully expect them to go and do what I command them to do. He said, so just say the word. And I know my servant will be healed. See, he's talking, the centurion understood that Jesus had the authority to do these things. That he could command and God, God would obey him. He said, command me. So if you command God according to his word to do what he said in his word he would do, and he doesn't do it, did he obey you? Did he obey you? Did he submit to you? I know I'm using words that are scary. God doesn't obey us. God doesn't submit to us. We'll just try not to be too religious and stay with the just stay with what the Bible says. Just stay with what the Bible says. So he would be disobedient. He would be disobeying you if he didn't do what you asked him to do. And if you're asking according to what he said he would do, that his disobeying you would really be disobeying his own word. And God's not going to disobey his own word. So it's not really about you. It's about the word that you're standing on. It's not that you're greater than God. You're just laying before God his word and what he said. And if he don't obey your word, which is his word in your mouth, then he's not submitting to his own word. And if he's not submitted to his own word, then he, isn't, he ceases being a righteous God. You understand? So that's why Jesus said over here in John's gospel, he says in verse 7, John 15 Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. I mean, you understand how many scriptures where Jesus is saying this over and over and over to us? Why? Because we have such a hard time with it. We just have such a hard time with it. 
Because we spend most of our time trying, trying to get to a certain place. We're trying to, to be pleasing in the sight of God. We're trying to be righteous. We're trying to be good. We're trying to be better. I'm trying to be better, Pastor. I'm trying to be better. You're the righteousness of God. Stop trying to be better and believe. Believe. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you believe in your heart that you're the righteousness of God, so are you. You will do it. Because it's who you are. You are a righteous person. You are a believer. This is who you are. But here we are, we're trying to, we're trying to complete ourselves. We're trying to make ourselves better. We're trying to improve ourselves. And it's all about dead works. It's all about trying to make ourselves better. So you see, it becomes very difficult for us to just believe that whatever I ask, like right now, I mean, maybe someday, you know, when I hit that level, no, no, no. Right now. Only believe. You're the righteousness of God. Believe. This is God's will for you now. Whatever you desire, it shall be done for you. Well, then why isn't it being done for me? Well, you just, you just showed us with your words. You don't believe. You don't believe it's being done for you. Well, it hasn't. I mean, I asked it 10 years ago. Okay. So you don't believe. So after 10 years then, that's when it runs out. In other words, God promised it, but if, it doesn't, if you don't see it within 10 years, then it's, God's no good. He's not, he's not good for his word. So you see, it really wasn't the 10 years. You didn't believe it back here because you went into it with a 10-year limitation. You had an expiration date when you believed. You didn't know it at the time. But God knew it. It was there. You had an expiration date of doubt and unbelief. You didn't know it. I believe. But then time went by. Things didn't go quite the way you thought it would happen. And and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. God didn't do it. So we're seeing the unbelief now on this date and time, on the expiration date, But you see, it was already in you on the day that you said, I believe, I receive. So you got to go into it believing that come hell, high water, the end of the world, it don't matter. This is what God said, and this is how it's going to be. I've received it. Bless God. It it just can't help but happen. It can't help but come to pass. Can you say amen? So we got to watch about going into believing with an expiration date where that believing expired. So he says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So notice God's word is abiding in you and that is what you are speaking. You are speaking the word of God that is abiding in you and therefore you have you have whatever you ask. It belongs to you. And if it doesn't come to pass, then God has violated his own word. He hasn't submitted to his own word that he spoke to you. We just won't let up. 
We just, you just don't let up. That's just who we are. We just don't give up. We don't let up. We just stay on it. We just keep believing and believing and believing the word of God. Hallelujah. Keep feeding our faith. Our expectancy just keeps growing and growing and growing again like the pregnant woman. Conceived back here, but month after month after month after month after month, expansion is taking place on the inside. In us, in our spirit, expansion is taking place. As faith, for what we believe we receive, is just growing and growing. Our expectancy is getting greater and greater and greater. I mean, listen, I stood up here, and I've said things by the Spirit of God, and I've said things in faith, you know, 20-something years ago. You know, I've, I've stood up, and I've declared things, and I've said things, and I still haven't seen it yet, but man, my Lord, my belly big. I haven't lost it. It's just quadruplets. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just understanding. There's, whoo, this is bigger. This is, this is bigger. Whoo, this is bigger. Then I even realized when I believed I received back here. This thing is massive. I've never gotten to the place where, man, if it was going to happen, it should have happened. Maybe, maybe I should wear dungarees. Maybe, maybe God will change the church if I change my hairstyle. You know, I think if I wear sandals. I saw one preacher, he had a megachurch. He was wearing sandals. Maybe if I wear sandals, maybe that'll do it. No, I'm not to do anything. I already believed I received it. It's the word of the Lord to me. I got it. Praise God. I believe I receive it. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how many months, years go by. It don't matter. It shall all come to pass. Hallelujah. And the longer it takes, it just tells me just how much bigger this thing's going to be. Whoo, hallelujah. Some great things are going to come forth in these days. Well, you've been saying that, I know. And my expectancy is only getting greater. There's no expiration on it. It's just going to keep going and going and going. Can you say it, man? Hallelujah. Praise God. Someone say it should all come to pass. It shall all come to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.